Last month, Reo Karanga o Taranaki exhibition opened at Pukeariki Museum. 25 artists, all connected to Taranaki iwi, featured their works in the exhibition. As part of the opening weekend programme, a panel discussion included weaver Veronoa Hitet. It was probably inevitable from childhood that Veronoa would have a career in the arts, as her father, Rangi Hitet, was a master carver, and her mother, Irenoa Puketapu Hetet was a master weaver. Today, Viranoa is based at Waifitu in Lower Hutt. Her kākahu, cloaks, are exhibited in galleries throughout the country. From the early 1990s, she taught weaving at institutions which included Te Wānanga Uraukawa and Wellington Polytechnic. At the Hetet studio at Waifetu, she teaches a handful of weavers. In this next corridor, we're back at Pukeariki Museum, curated by artist Darcy Nicholas, where Veronoa talked about growing up under the artistic influence of her whānau. Uh, yeah, I belong to a long line of weavers, and I think that um, every generation, you don't want to be the one who stops that. <laughs> so there's an obligation one, but there is also this um, passion that you are lucky to have been born with. Um, I've often wondered if what happen- has happened with me is nature or nurture. Is it in my genes or is it, or is it because I was lucky enough, fortunate enough to have a master carver and a master weaver as my parents? And I think that it's a wonderful combination of both. It was wonderful growing up in a family where we had this beautiful great-grandmother, Nenarangi Māori, and we were lucky because she uh, lived to be 103 and she was still weaving up until uh, the time that she passed away and she was still sharing with all of us great-grandchildren the love not only of weaving but of creating and of having a uh, pride of uh, a certain quality of work and also a well, she asked of us to have a commitment to sharing what we know. So we've also become a family of teachers. So it's a, I've been really fortunate to have been a part of this. What, what, what about your, your children? Do they weave? Anyone weave? I have five children, uh, four sons, and so I thought, oh no, it is going to be me who stops that, <laughs> that line of weavers. Uh, luckily, my youngest um, child, my fifth child, is a, was a daughter. Is a daughter, Irinora. Um, in answer to your question, do any of them weave? My eldest son is actually um, a wonderful artist, and the powerful and metal cloak down there, or quilt down there, he creates those. Um, my second son, he carves. He um, learnt to carve from my husband Sam. Um, my third child has a physical disability that um, he finds it hard to do anything um, that requires dexterity. Um, my fourth child is um, a Because your husband's artist. a considerable carver too, isn't he? Yeah, he's pretty cool. <laughs> he is. He's, he's a very fine yeah. master carver, yeah. Um, he married into the family business, I suppose. So when we got together, he became dad's. Um, student and now he is one of two protégés that my dad has retained. So my children are growing up in the same environment that I grew up in, which is great. 
my daughter is only 11, and when I was weaving the, the black, the double black cloak over there, which was her cloak, I sat her down and, and taught her how to fatu, the cloak weaving stitch. And so there are three generations of hands in that cloak there. I also gave her a muscle shell and a bit of flax, and without explaining to her how to hold the shell, what to do with the shell, she proceeded to make mocha. Uh, I was trying not to look at her, I was pretending I was weaving, but I was watching her out of the corner of my eye, and I felt like crying to see this 11-year-old child just pick it up and just go with it. I remember having dinner many years ago with your mum and dad, and we were talking about art and creative part of art, and your dad said, I've done my last Friday noon, I'll never do another one. And we carry on eating this nice roast meal and then the phone rings and it's two Friday tour and I saw your dad on the phone, yes, yeah, yes, yes, yes. And then he agrees on everything. He sits down at the table, looks at me and he says, well, that's what cuts across everything I just said. He says, I have to do this house for two Friday tour. And uh, I mean, you're in that same thread, aren't you? that same thread and the legacy continues on and on to your children is, is wonderful. Well, it was Tuwhare Toa, his people of Tuwhare Toa, who made him become a carver. My dad wanted to be a doctor, yeah. um, but his elders of Tuwhare Toa pulled him out of St. Stephen's College and sent him to Rotorua Carving School with John Taiapa. Yeah. Uh, so he became a carver because of Tuwhare Toa. So he has this ongoing... Um, obligation, I suppose, uh, to repay his people for setting his path for him. A panel discussion there led by Darcy Nicholas. Now, following that discussion, Vera Noor explains some of the details of her kākahu. So I have four kākahu in the exhibition and also a large power shell and metal quilt, <laughs> obviously not to be hanging, used, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. which is hanging, it's more of a wall hanging. Um, but the four kākahu I have, uh, one is a pupu that I made for my husband to wear on the waka. He is a kaihoi on the waka Tia Niweniwa. And uh, earlier this year it was taken to the, the regatta at Turanga Waiwai. And so I made this pupu especially for him to wear as uh, a kaihoi on that waka. And the tāniko at the top is a uh, design that I borrowed from my great-grandmother Nenarangi Marie Hetit. Uh, it was on her, one of her kākahu that Is she waved for my for grandfather. Well, he piko he tanifa. You can see the the lines of the of the river. Oh yes. And then you can see the notches at each bend. So he piko he tanifa. And I thought that it was quite appropriate as he was going to be wearing it first on Waikato that I used that that pattern. That kind of thinking about. Um, I, we heard Rex um, when he talked about nothing for him is spontaneous, it's all about a thinking process. Is that the same with you when you do your kākahu? Absolutely. I think about who it's for and what I want it to represent or what story I want to tell. Um, the materials are easy. I use mukka, so there is no, you know, no question about that. Um, what I tend to do to make things harder on myself is I, pick, I have a rule which says that every cloak I make needs to have something new on it, something that has never been done before. Uh, so these four kākahu here are uniquely mine, like this, the third cloak here. 
It's a reversible cloak. It's the first one that I've made that is reversible. It's a different pattern on the other side. So you can either wear it this side during Matariki or you turn it around the other side, inside out, and there is another pattern. The tuakana cloak, which is white muka and lace bark, there's a lace bark design on the back of it. I wove this kākahu especially for the exhibition Kahuora uh, last oh, yes, year I remember in 2012. That. And I wanted to talk about our history of cloak weaving, which began long before we arrived to Aotearoa. And it's called tuakana, and it pays reference to our tuakana, you know, the Cook Island people, the Hawaiian people. Uh, the curved base of that cloak is in reference to the Hawaiian capes. And the pattern on top of it is, I have seen that design uh, tattooed on a lot of Hawaiian people. Um, and for us, the Nihotanifa represents storytelling. And so that's what that cloak is all about. And finally, I have Erenora, which is the... Oh, Erenora is this one. Erenora is that cloak there. And it's made up of two kākahu. The top kākahu is ma fiti fiti, uh, the cross-stitch. There's a cross-stitch. Um, firstly, my mother had 14 mokopuna, and her youngest mokopuna is my daughter, Irinora. Yes. Um, my mum made a kākahu for each of her mokopuna, and this was the one she was working on when she became ill with cancer. Uh, she was unable to finish it, and so before she passed away, she asked that I finish it for her mokopuna, for Irinora. So it sat in my wardrobe for seven years. Uh, it was too painfully, too painful for me for to, you to yep. weave it. Yes. And then Darcy invited me to this exhibition, um, the Kola Taranaki. And because I am affiliated to Taranaki through my mother, I thought that that was my kick in the pants to get right, it done. Right, of course. Yeah, and yes. I can hear my mum saying, finally. <laughs> so the raukura, my mum loved her raukura. So it Which has, is the white feather yes. pertinent to... To yes, Taranaki. And she loved wearing her raukura, and so the top of this kākahu has the raukura at the top. Um, I wove a kākahu for her cloak to rest on, um, and as a backing, I come behind her. The Taniko tells a story, as does all Taniko, and that is actually two cloaks, so it can be separated. Oh, right, so it's not. It, it can together. be separated. It can either be worn as two cloaks by two people. By mother and daughter, yeah, maybe? mother and daughter. Or it can be joined together. My mother wove in her studio on her own a lot, and I wove in my studio on my own a lot. But more often than not, we came together, and we wove together, and that's when magic happened. Mm. And so um, I like it joined together. And you've got the triangle power coming yeah, down. Oh, my mum loved power shell. She had a love affair with power shell, and there's 14 pieces of power shell on there representing each of her mokopuna. So those are the kākahu, and I see someone's placed a raukura at the foot of the mannequin holding mum's, um, mine and mum's kākahu, which is rather touching. I can see just how much muka. Mm. you use. How long is that process of yeah. kākahu? Um, the cloak, uh, the ere nora kākahu, you can't tell now, but when it is opened up, it's actually close to a metre and a half wide. It's a very wide kākahu. It could fit a very large man. So there was a lot of muka involved in that kākahu, and that took me a good month and a half to, to make all of that, and that was working full-time. Um, I do get a little bit obsessive 
and I'm like a woman possessed. So the cloak I'm working on at the moment, oh yes, uh, I made all of that mocha in one week, which is oh uh, yeah, it was really sore on my arm, but I'm so glad I did it. <laughs> yeah, because I can now sit and make this this kakahu, um for my mokopuna that is yet to be conceived. Yeah. It's one of those dream oh, clothes. Oh. <laughs> Weave oh, it, they will come. <laughs> so that one there, I said to you before that on each kākahu I try to do something that's never been done yeah. before. So on that one there, I'm not weaving the feathers in as is traditional. I am doing something totally new with them. But the, the feathers I'm using are little feathers from different birds. And I have this beautiful vision of me lying on my lazy boy yes. with this mokopuna on top of oh, me. Nice, yes. With this cloak draped over the both of us like a blanket. And this, this mokopuna of mine saying, Yeah, te na huri huri neni. Oh, <laughs> and then you can and say, so, Yeah, he kiriri. You know, na te kiriri, na te You know, And then us having a dialogue, us having a story about the puke or the kereru. And so that's my play, my play uh, kākahu, I suppose. And after the heaviness of weaving my mum's kākahu, I need something, you to, know, to, yeah, something yeah, yeah. light. Something to hiki you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kia ora, hitet no Ngāti Tūwharetoa, Ngāti Maniapoto and Te Atiawa. For more information about Viranoa, we've posted up some useful links at our webpage, radionz.co.nz forward slash Te Ahikaa.